Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. My name is Ryan Cabrera. I'm your co-host, and I'm in beautiful Studio B with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. What an honor to be here. How exciting it is going to be. It is. Now, listen, we've got our essential oils, right? We're ready with our essential oils. I can smell the breathe right now. We've got our, our shofar. Because we're yeah. ready, because the Lord is going to blow the shofar over us. Amen. I've got, uh, or we've got our, our little Torah scroll here, because, hey, the Torah portion has to do with the Torah being given at Mount that's Sinai. Right. Amen. And so I we were... see that little Torah scroll? That's right. Yeah, I think you can. So we're ready. I mean, we're locked and loaded. Let's do it. I don't think it gets any more ready than this. We're studying the Torah portion, Yitro, which is Jethro. What does uh, Jethro mean, I wonder? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and uh, the the Torah portion is Jethro. Jethro is the father-in-law of Moses. And this Torah portion is found in the book of Exodus, starting in chapter 18 and verse 1, and ending in chapter 20 and verse 23. So strap in, hold on tight. It's game time. So the book of Exodus uh, starts with groan, but it ends with the glory. Amen. The first uh, parts of Exodus from chapters 1 through 18 are about deliverance. And then we're coming up and we're about to finish chapter 18 right now. Uh, and we're going to move into chapters 19 through 40, which is worship. Amen. Awesome. Very yeah. good. And the key word is deliver. That's right. You mentioned that. It is. So we and, got, and the key expression is, as the Lord commanded Moses. This is so exciting. So once again, chapters 1 through 18 is about deliverance. Chapters 19 to 40 is about worship, grown to glory. Excellent. That's very good. So let's just jump right in here. Ryan, go ahead and take it. All right. So the first section, uh, chapter 18, verses 1 through 12. We'll read some of, uh, some of chapter 19. So mm-hmm. let's just topically go over 18. Yeah, is uh, about the family reunion. And so the first question we have is, who was Moses reunited with at the Mount of God? Jethro, his father-in-law, Zipporah, his wife, and his two sons named Gershom and Eliezer. Now, uh, the Mount of God we're referring to is Mount Sinai. And there's some interesting uh, theories about the location of Mount Sinai. Yeah, it's not in Israel. And it's also not in Egypt. No. And it's not in the Sinai Peninsula. No. Even though the Sinai Peninsula is called the Sinai Peninsula. That's a whole other teaching. (laughs) Don't get it twisted. But what was the name of the folks that did the documentary about the the location of... um, I'm not really sure. Yeah, I'll have to I'll have to put that maybe in the notes or something like that. There's a lot of resources out there with some different things. There are, but I have seen a fantastic one by a couple that goes to Saudi Arabia and finds a place that they believe. And there's a lot of telltale sign, a lot of archaeological evidence for it being the actual Mount Sinai. In Saudi Arabia. In like in north 
Yeah, Saudi Arabia. West Saudi Arabia, yeah. So basically what Moses is going to do is he's going to take the people where he's already been. Correct, which is Midian. Yeah, because remember when, when Moses was a refugee and he was on the run, Egypt had, um, they had some, uh, I want to say. Jurisdiction. Yeah, they had the area of Israel right there under their jurisdiction. Right. So they kind of covered Israel. So when he fled, he had to go a little fur- he had to go further east. Right. Yeah, he couldn't just go to the Sinai. And plus, b- basically, the the typical Mount Sinai that they're saving today could never even have a million, half to two million people around this area because it's really mountainous and rocky and yeah, it's not there's the no right plains. Place. Right. You know. Right. And and actually, there's no evidence that anybody was even there. Yeah. Whereas at this other place in, in Saudi Arabia, there's, they should have altars. They have bones. Well, I think it says we won't get into all that. But Galatians actually, Paul makes mention of it. Yeah, 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 exactly right. So Moses told Jethro, his father-in-law, all the Lord had done for Israel's sake, and he rejoiced by offering up a burnt offering. So Remember, now Jethro's a priest of Midian. He is, correct. He is. He's the priest of Midian is what it calls him. Um, now, remember, his name is, what is it, Ruel? Um, because we, we meet Ruel earlier. You know, his name means to overflow, by the way. Uh, Jethro means overflow. Jethro Ruel? means overflow. Oh, Got it. Yeah, that's a that's a real so he's popular probably term. A, a very mature, responsible. I would say so. Man with a lot of daughters. Yeah, we're about to get a little bit more insight. I can relate to that. Into him. Jethro. Yeah, exactly right. I got a little bit of Jethro in me. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. you do too. Do you play the flute? <laughs> I like your inside jokes. That's okay. We'll keep going. <laughs> okay. We will. We will keep going. All right. So. Um, you know, obviously, it's interesting here. There's a lot of talk about Jethro as a character because we know that he doesn't stick around. Um, but we, we see him almost as if he is what they what the, today would be termed as a righteous Gentile. Now, me personally, while I accept when people call me a righteous Gentile, so to speak, because I'm in pursuant of the Torah and things like that, I don't personally receive that as like my official title because, A, I'm in time past a Gentile, right? And I believe the Torah is relevant for me as a believer in Yeshua today. And because of that, I'm going to stick around and I'm on the mission. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, good. I'm ready to roll with the Israelites. Um, but he did. He did, you know, help them, and he gave Moses some good advice. So here and that's we go. the way it should be. So why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and read Exodus 18, verses 13 through 18. Ooh, Let's okay. just read the situation here that, that whoever's in leadership can relate to right now. Yeah, absolutely. If you're in a form of leadership or something. So it says here, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from the morning unto the evening. And when Moses' father-in-law saw all that he did to the people, he said, What is this thing thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people come unto me to inquire of God. When they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another. And I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' father-in-law said unto him, The thing thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. Wow. So he sees what Moses is doing, and Moses, you know, probably thinks that he's, you know, he's, he's working hard. He's doing he's the will the of deliverer. God, right? He's, he's doing his thing. He's got to do it. He's, he was called. He saw the burning bush. Right. And he got the vision. And imagine somebody from the outside looking in, in this case Jethro, right. points it out and says, this thing Third, you're doing, yeah. this is not good. Third, I tell you, I've had a lot of guests visit or, or 
people come into my life that have visited Bay or different things and, and approached me in a, in a mature, professional way. And, uh, boy, they gave me some good advice yep. as an observer. Yep. And, you know, Moses thinks he's educating the people, right? He's making God's statutes known, right? Because he he's, knows. He's there from evening until, um, you know, until morning this until evening. This must be like oral Torah, then, yeah. to All some degree. All day he's there. Oral Torah. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I can see like, that. Like, don't eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Oral Torah? We don't even really have it yet. Well, we don't know when this is in the timeline, because it almost looks like remember the Remember we talked about it was, it was evident. Right. It was in the air. It was around. Oh, for sure. You Something was handed it. down from Adam and Eve. Yeah. How they know how to do sacrifices. Right. Right. Because right. Adam and Eve and their children. Yep. So, and Jethro came and told them that it wasn't good. And so here's verse 18, and this is kind of the crux of the matter uh, that Jethro brings to him. Thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. So do why? Do the math, Ryan. 600,000 men on foot under... <sighs> Okay, over 20. It's a bunch. And you're going to start a complaint line. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. Have you ever been somewhere and the line is just... I remember when I was trying to get toilet paper at Walmart. Yeah. And I and I got the back of the line. I, this isn't the back of the line. It went, it went around. Yeah. It was like... I was talking to a judge here in Tampa the other day, and uh, he was talking about how just his civil court... Um, division alone has like 16,000 pending cases and there's only like four or five judges in the division. So you got to think that like, and he says it's backed up especially because of COVID, right? Everything's being done to be a zoom. Now they don't even go into the courthouse. Maybe he's literally done. You could, I would, I could see the productivity piece being there because you don't have to get people at the same place at the same time. They can all do it from wherever they are. But, you know, it was just interesting This he was, you know, I was talking to him and he was sick of, you know, basically being in his office at the house doing Zoom calls as a judge, because he says it's just harder to, it's harder to, to just feel out the situation. And I like to hear about other people's it. jobs and what they're doing and what's yeah. going on. Yeah, it was interesting. It, w- it was cool. So, but here's the question then. Why is delegation important for a leader? I, I want to I just observe something here and, and point out something. Many hands make light work. Amen. The one-man show isn't good. Right. You know, I went to a three-ring circus one time. I didn't enjoy it. There's just too much going on. You know, and so I would say this, uh, many hands make light work. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to delegate. Uh, people will stay with you a lot longer if they are involved and have a vested interest. Right. You know, it's my job as a pastor to pull the gifts out of people. Right. You know, and not do it all. You know, I, I observed a couple of things uh, in some pastors that, that is their downfall that they need to correct immediately. Number one is uh, a pastor doesn't have to have total control over everything. You know, we have quite a few ministries, and it's called micromanaging. It's just not good. Let people lead the way they want to lead, get the job done, do it their way, their flavor, and then everyone's happy. So I would say to do that, make many hands, make light work, to delegate, let people, you know, do the job. And, and pastors can have a hard time with that sometimes because they want to control, uh, and they're very territorial. You know, I, I talked to this one pastor, and he said to me, yeah, all we do is trade sheep here in this city. And I started laughing. Because Christians like to church hop, but Jews don't synagogue hop. Uh, and then, of course, like I said, um, like I said, it's the control thing and delegation as far as pastors go. Yeah, you've got to delegate and you got to l- let people run in their lanes. Don't micromanage. And I would say that that is so important. You know, we uh, we try to do that here. Yeah, I, I think buy-in is a big piece. Um, you know, when you don't delegate, you bring all of the accountability upon yourself, and it's no longer distributed amongst the people that. Uh, are with you. And so as a leader, 
if you don't delegate and you don't give people the opportunity to share the the burden, so to speak, then everything is upon your shoulders and the weight is just too heavy for any one person to carry, especially when the work is the work of God. Because mm. you, you also think about the multiplying of efforts. There's obviously um, you know, a multiplier in the things that you can get done, right? So like each finger is weak, right? But when you put it all together, you know, as a fist, it, it obviously has a lot more strength. That's good. Right? Or grip and things like that. You can hold a lot more with all five fingers together than you can hand point. the addition of just Never each single that. finger right. together. And so part of delegating is also multiplying your productivity and your ability to get things done, but also the people that are involved, as you mentioned, a vested interest, right. their buy-in increases because they're part of the vision, not just, you know, convinced and, you know, I don't know, subject to the vision. So Right, yeah, it's... So as they're delegating and picking leaders, they come up in Exodus 18, uh, 21 with three qualifications for the people that they want to involve in this process. Because remember, we're delegating at this point the leadership of making judgments among the people. So so really, this is judges. We're, we're delegating judgment at this point. So what are the three qualifications given in Exodus 18 for people that are going to be placed as judges? These are the three requirements. Uh, to fear God men of truth, hating covetousness. Right. So Coveting is rough, boy. So the first qualification is fear God. That's actually one of the commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Right. It is. Well, and fearing God is is obviously, I would say. Which is reverence him. Right, up in the first. We don't sweep the dirt under the rug. He sees all, right? Well, Men of truth. But fearing God, because ultimately, as a judge, it's not your own judgment. You're depending on God's commandments to make a judgment and through his Holy Spirit and the spirit that he puts upon you, the mantle that he puts upon you to make judgments on his behalf. And so in this situation, they have to fear God because if they don't fear God, then they're disqualified immediately. You can't, you can't mete out the judgment of God if you don't even fear him. It just doesn't make any sense, right? The second one being men of truth, that they're honest people, right? I mean, let's think about it. If I'm a judge and I'm corrupt and I'm dishonest, then what hope does anybody have of getting righteous judgment? Well, the answer is they don't, right? And it's interesting that we go from the time of the judges yeah. to a monarchy. Right. So like right now, we've got crooked judges and oh boy, do we. bad justice, yeah. no justice to some degree in some cases. And then, of course, you know, there's um, bribes. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, we haven't lottery. gotten there yet. We haven't no, gotten there no yet. I know that, but I'm just saying that I was just thinking about, you brought up the judicial system or judges. You know, what's interesting is, is we see the stage being set for the Antichrist. Oh, absolutely. Because he's the lawless one. Right. So, like, you have a bunch of nations and people and leadership, but then it's like, you know, it's going to turn into that. Yeah. And that's like a picture of King Saul, the false king. Right. Started out great, you know, head and stature above the rest. But then he ends up being jealous and murders, and of course from the tribe of Benjamin. But he's like a type of antichrist in that regard. And then what happens is you have Samuel the prophet, which is the transition of then King David. Yeah. So the stage is being set in the culture for this lawless one. And of course we know the body of Christ is 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 going to prevail, and Jesus is the head. But right now the Antichrist's body is being built over social media and the Internet. Oh, there's no doubt about that. So that's that. So the third qualification being hating covetousness. 
Right. So desiring other people's things or their wife. Well, but the bribe is what you just mentioned is a big deal. One of the you know Proverbs says many, many times about, you know, not not taking bribes, because what is it? The bribe perverts justice. So a person may be a good person, right? They may fear God. They may be honest. But they may covet. And if they covet, then they can be bought. Well, you know, and I don't want to mention names or nothing, but I know there's some prime ministers that have been caught up in some scandals on how to do prison Don't mention time. any names. I'm not. I'm just saying to you, <laughs> and I haven't done my research. I'm just saying yeah, that yeah. this person went through the judicial system and had to do prison time. Right. I, I haven't vetted their full story or whatever, but they were supposedly guilty. Sure. And, of course, they get out of prison. What do they do? They go after Netanyahu, and they say, yeah. well, you know, he should go to prison. Calling for him to go to well, prison. you just came out of there. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like... You reap what you sow. Well, you know, it's funny. I'm just saying. I, I don't know. It's just it's just not not a good thing. There's a lot of controversy right now about uh, the stock market and these, you know, group of online investors, right? Yeah, going I've after been in GameStop. The GameStop I uh, shopped there. stock. But here, here's what's funny. I saw uh, the Wolf of Wall Street went to jail. Everybody knows the Wolf of Wall Street went to jail in a big way because of what they call pump and dump schemes, right? Where he floods the market with a bunch of buyers for a single stock and then... Then he sells it off. And that's separate from like a corporate raider. That's different. Correct. This is a pump and dump kind of scheme. same thing. Buy it Because out, it's a way to make it. a quick buck. Right. Because you pump the stock price up with all the investments. Well, isn't there all kinds of crazy schemes? And then you take the money. But here's the deal. Everybody's rooting for these investors for the GameStop, the little guy, against these guys that short sold the stock at the hedge fund. But here's what they don't realize. What they're doing is what the Wolf of Wall Street went to jail for. Pump and dump. They're pump. They're getting together. And they're scheming to pump up the price of this one stock by getting everybody together, colluding together to pump up the price yeah, of it. Something to do with Robinhood. Robinhood is the platform they use, a lot of them used to uh, purchase stocks. It's an app on the phone. But a lot of people are rooting for these people investing in GameStop against the, against the uh, hedge funds. And look, I'm no, I'm no hedge fund lover. That's not what I'm not saying that short selling is a good thing either because I don't believe in short selling is a good thing and you got to do some research to even understand what it is. Yeah. However, what these people are doing is what the Wolf of Wall Street went to jail for, which is colluding with other people to pump up the price of a stock. And now it's like all these mass violations. Right. And so just like all the people that stormed the Capitol. So now the big debate How are you is all these now people? the deb- well, you can't, right? So the, the the big debate now is do we go do regulators go after Robin Hood for isolating stocks and limiting the trading? Or do they go after these people that colluded to, to See, do this short you understand selling? this more than I do. Thank you for sharing all You're of welcome, that. You're welcome. Know, it is relevant. Well, it's relevant to this specifically yeah, because, because those are not good leaders. They're perverting justice. They're not good leaders. They're perverting justice. Think about it, if you fear God, you're gonna treat people well. You know, I worked at a company where they had terrible management that just beat down the people, but they got the job done. It reminded me of Egypt, the taskmasters. <laughs> the pyramids were built. There was no straw, but I got the job done. I got the but job. horrible, horrible people skills. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And I just couldn't get over that. I, and I thought to myself, that's terrible. Yeah, we're going to need you to come in on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get rolling here. All right, we're going to keep going. All right, so... Jethro stated that these delegated men should be rulers over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. So they're they're different splitting sizes. It up. Right. It's kind of like me, you know. I thank God it's only hundreds. Yeah. Two hundred. Yeah. I'm not even up to tens yet. One hundred fifty, two hundred. Yeah. 
Okay, the mega churches, the thousand. You know, it's funny how people are so critical of the mega church, but the guy that's running that has to be getting an award or something. Yeah, I got a team of six, including myself. It's my wife. This and is my what four I'm kids. saying. So, what am I moaning and groaning about? Moses is probably shaking his fist at me. Yeah. Suck it up, Buttercup. The cloud of witnesses. Does it. What are you doing? I should have put a poster up in my office, you know, because <laughs> he like did thousands of people. Yeah. It is amazing. It is. It is. So we can do it, Ryan. Thanks so for, so they're delegating out. this because Moses has 600,000 people worth of issues, right? Right. Plus their wives and children, right? That's right. And he can't handle So what they're doing is now they're going to be appointing these men over tens, fifties, hundreds, and thousands. So I think like of, it. Think of this like our court system. You know, you have the, the, the city court, right? The county court, the district court, right? Federal courts. You have right. these different layers of the judicial system yeah. that goes up. You, know, you have this Like our three branches of government for accountability. Uh, yeah, I would, kinda, kinda. To some similar. degree, you yeah, know, similar. You can't just have one guy making executive orders. No, but these, or these maybe you can. But these people, yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> There's a stack. Yeah, it's just you know, like I think to date we're at like 42 executive orders by Biden since he was elected, and what two I weeks in? Know. You know, I don't know either. Um, anyways, so in in this we're doing layers because there's tens and fifties, right? Well, this person who's over the fifties is also over these groups of tens. Right. So it's a layer of leadership. Right. And so when a situation is a bigger issue and it's not just, you know, hey, he took my grill, you know, hey, give it back. You know, it's it's a bigger issue. Then right. it, it can work its way all the way up to the supreme judge, in this case being Moses. Yeah, read, read this. All right. And so it says they shall judge over the people at all seasons and only bring great matters to Moses. That's what we've established here at this church. I just take care of the great matters. I would say you take care of more than just the great matters. Yeah, but I mean, for the most you part. You deal with your fair share of issues. I do, if I can. If I <laughs> Toilet paper to. in the stalls, but trash on great, the property. That's not a great matter. Well, that's what I mean, you know. It's matter, but it's <laughs> Literally. not a great matter. Yeah. <laughs> so Moses adhered to Jethro, his father-in-law, and did all that he said to do. So that's a good, good son-in-law. And the multitude of counselors, there's safety. Right. Well, it was good advice. See, I like the way we have things set up here. You know, we have our board, we have our leadership, we have our staff. It really has worked well. Yeah. Because I can't just spring something on the board or do something. I have to go through the chain of command, have a board meeting. I get an idea. It's got to go through the board. Then I present it to the leadership. And then from there it goes to the people. And that's worked very effectively here at the church. Yeah. Throughout these years. Sure. To be where we're at. Yeah. Because we are doing some unique things. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. Keeps me on my toes. It does. It does. So um, now Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, has made a great impact. Oh, yeah. And changed forever biblical history, right. the history of the Israelites. But guess what? He made his impact, and just like me, he flashes, and he dashes. Flash and dash. <laughs> Although I'm that. still here. So That's true. Praise That's true. God. I mean, I've worked out. They say if you've been here or been in a place eight years, you're going to stay. So I've got this year to make a decision. I'm watching you as to what I'm going to do. I'll make it easy All on right, you because I'm in my seventh year. So it's kind of you know, when I look back on it, it, really is true. There's a lot of people that got you know ten years, fifteen. Well, because eight is new beginnings, right? So I'm seven just saying years, a seven year cycle. It was um, it was Rabbi Messer that made that point. I could I be. Pick, I picked up on that. I could be. It's like the it's like the the indentured servitude, right? You work for seven years and then you're you're out, or six years and then you're out. Right. You know? And we're approaching the Shemitah year. Is that not going to happen this fall? Or no? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure the Shemitah starts this fall. It may. So they won't be doing no harvesting. I'll have to do some more research on that. That's interesting with the you. COVID and everything. It'll make things easier. but Well, it'll make things complicated at the same time. Yeah. Because it's, it's... All right, what do you got for me? So not 
Remember, not everyone wants to go on the journey with you. Well, that's a no. I don't like that. I like people to come with me on the journey. I'm a people person. I want to bring okay. the people with me. Now, I, I don't want to take this out of context, but here's the deal, Ryan. This is what I understand. It's not personal. Sometimes people are meant to go with you on the journey for a period of time. Yeah. And then they're meant to go do something else. Yeah. So let's keep that in a, a positive light that not like they're missing out or they should be with us. Yeah, I guess you're right. You see what I'm saying? I so, do. so I look back now on all the great people that have come and given towards this vision and everything. It's not really a share. And we wouldn't be where we are today. We wouldn't. I mean, we're talking about fences What's put up, yeah. roads put in, yeah. all kinds of cool things. Buildings put up Contribution. Over here. Yeah. The contribution was really cool. Yeah. I got So you. let's get into Exodus 19, uh, verses uh, 1 through 8, the marriage covenant and the Torah. Let's go ahead and read that, Ryan. This is the, really the key of it, and along with the Ten Commandments, we're going to hit that pretty good. So, All right, here we go. It says, In the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, the same day... Came they into the wilderness of Sinai, for they were departed from Rephidim and were come to the desert of Sinai and had pitched in the wilderness. And there Israel camped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you unto myself. Now, therefore, if ye will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And Moses came and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And all the people answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people unto the Lord. Man. So this whole chapter, and we're not going to get into all the other things that entail it, but, but here's the deal. This chapter is where we begin the worship. Right. A marriage should be worshipful. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. My wife and I, you know, in our marriage, we are just spiritually so like minded. Yeah. We've had no problems with, with, with doctrine or being filled with the Holy Spirit. Same here. Just speaking yeah. in tongues, interpretation of tongues, and, and just, just everything that's in here the feast days, the Torah, understanding all that. But man, when it comes to everyday life, Ryan. It's oil and water, man. It is the funniest thing, you know? And I just, I just, I just laugh at that because. Well, you're very particular. So I can only imagine. You know. And I will show you why. Okay, show me. Notice it says, now therefore, in verses 5 and 6 of 19, now therefore, if you will obey my voice uh, indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Uh, these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. And I do believe that this is even mentioned in... In... Why don't you look this up for me? With pleasure. First Peter 2, 5, and 9. It is mentioned there. I can vouch for that. First Peter 2, 5, and 9. First Peter chapter 2. 
While you're looking for it, in the says, third in the third month, the children of Israel arrived at Mount Sinai, uh, where they would remain for almost a year. So I just want to lay out this beginning introduction here that they're at Mount Sinai. It's about worship. It's about this marriage, and in the third month means that they're going to be celebrating Shavuot, right? The feast of Pentecost or, or Shavuot. So we'll go ahead and read First Peter two five and nine. This is the cross reference that's found in the New Testament based upon Exodus nineteen. Well, they're not. This is the foundation of Shavuot. This is the actual giving of right. the Torah. This that's is right. it. I mean, this is it. And then we get the Spirit later on. Woohoo! Torah and Spirit. Come on now. I didn't make that up. So ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Now jump down to nine. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So just to make it clear, this uh, reference to a peculiar treasure is the Hebrew word segula. It's, it's number 5459 in the Strong's Concordance. It's the Hebrew word segula, and it's referencing this as this, to be shut up, mm-hmm. to have wealth, a jewel, and special. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, this is, this is the picture I want to tell you that you can just imagine. We wear rings. We'll have necklaces, watches, bling bling, right? Earrings, nose rings, toe rings. We've got all this jewelry, like Mr. T, you know. I'm beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> but but just so you just so you understand, segula is something that God's holding in his hand. Yeah. And and you wonder, well, how is that? Remember, nobody can snatch you out of his hand. You ever see a kid with a teddy bear? Nobody can like, snatch you out of it. his hand. Yeah. I should probably go ask Kathy for her jewel real quick. Run and go get it. I'm gonna go get that jewel. Tell her it's a real big jewel. I need Run it. and go get it. And I'll keep the. I'll keep. I'll keep talking, sharing. I'll build up this this testimony. So once again, I want to. I want you to see this because this is the best picture I could give you. Uh, how special you are to him. For those of you that are listening through the podcast or even watching via the video. Uh, God loves you, and you are special. And you need to say that over yourself because he loves you. Uh, he sings over you. He loves you, you know. And, of course, you know, as you begin to look at these things that are happening here, as we develop this, uh, the children of Israel agreed to do all that the Lord said to do and believe in Moses forever. So, once again, when you go to a wedding, what do you say? You say, I do. Well, guess what? You did. Okay. And as we move on, the people were told to sanctify themselves for two days and wash their clothes. Do you see the sanctification? Do you see the separation? The people were told to sanctify themselves for two days and wash their clothes. Now, what does that come to mind but in Revelation? What does that come to mind? What is it? Think about it. They wash their clothes, sanctify themselves for two days and wash their clothes. Look at this. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. I'll, I'll do 19, 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and his bride hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Now check out that segula. Now listen. Thank God that we are truly a segula to him because this wasn't that easy to find just now. 
you see how, but I knew to get it. But we and found you, it. And we did it. We found so it. So I want you to get this picture. This is you in the palm of God's hand. This is segula. So God doesn't make junk. This is segula. Look at yeah. that. Yeah. Look at that. That is so beautiful. I was just sharing with him about uh, Exodus 19 on, 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 the, on, the, on page uh, three. Uh, and, and as we talk about, and on the third day, the Lord will come down on the side of all the people upon Mount Sinai. The Lord had Moses put bounds around Mount Sinai, and whether it was man or beast, anyone touching the border shall be put to death. Um, I just want to remind everyone, as we look at this chapter, we can break it down. It's truly a wedding. How many of you know that um, they agreed to it? Uh, they set up bounds, because in a marriage, you have boundaries. Yes. You know, I'm not single you anymore. Should, you should have You boundaries. have to come home. You can't just be out all night. Right. You can't just go do what you want to do. Right. You know, my wife and I are always communicating. You know, we got a new bed coming in today. Woohoo! It's an act of God. Amen. And uh, your other one's it, like it, what? Twenty-five years 16 old. Sixteen years old. <laughs> but so there's boundaries, and then of course, uh, be ready against the third day. Come not at your wives. Is verse fifteen of nineteen. Um, I got to put that in my outline. It's not in here. But once again, so the men could not be intimate with their wives because now everyone's getting ready to marry. Get focused, Yahweh. And this is a picture of you. Let's just put this right here. Boom. That's a good spot. This is you, everybody. Segula. So, Ryan, we're on page three. We went through these little outlines here. The whole chapter's about marriage. Oh, it's a great chapter. And I, and I want to share this, Ryan. I really believe, I know my wife and I, we're really working at our marriage. It's like overtime, extra work. You got to fight for your marriage. I don't think it comes easy. I don't think it's easy. I think you really got to fight for it. Amen. Um, I agree with that. There's outside forces. There are inside forces. But, but I just want to say that you really have to work hard when it comes to your marriage. Um, so once again, uh, this is very, very important as we come to this conclusion. Now, here's the thing. We know that God revealed himself to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in a special way. Uh, we won't get into the names and his attributes and characteristics, but then he told Moses, listen, I'm appearing before you more than I have for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Yeah. I'm showing you another side of me, more characteristics throughout his names. Of course, the name of all names is Yeshua. Salvation is his greatest attribute. So why are you saying this, Pastor Nick? Because here's the deal, everyone. We can see what's happening to marriages all over the world. We can see how even governments are trying to redefine what a marriage is. Right. I personally believe that God is showing himself as a husband in the, in the earth today. That's why it's so important. We as husbands need to be the spiritual leaders, even for those kids that have no father in our church. The fatherless. Right. Amen. We need to come alongside them, put an arm around them and encourage them and be a father figure to those. So with all of this, Ryan, with this Mosaic covenant, and you know, I just get a kick out of God because, you know, he kicked us out of the garden. Mm -hmm. There's sickness and disease and death. And then later on down the road, he's like, hey, you know what? I know I kicked you out of the garden. There is sickness. There's death. Yeah. But, but you know what? I want to marry you. I'm going to marry you. I'm the greater vessel. You're the lesser vessel. I'm strong. You're weak. But I want to marry you. I want to throw this offer out to you. Will you do it? And they said, I do. It's been, it's a binding ever since. Yeah. So isn't that the coolest thing, how much he loves us? He's just messing with us, loves us, wants to bring us in. It's not like it's the end of the world. Right. So all these things play out. But now we were born for such a time as this, Ryan, which is the coolest thing. We have salvation and Torah. Oh, yeah. The so would you like injury. to interject before you get into the law first mention on the trumpets? Yeah. Um, I'm just a little fired up. I, I love this marriage covenant where he's 
you know, blowing the shofar over us, right? But the, the, here the people come and they say that they will do their part of the covenant, right? And so we go and we look back, and if you remember the covenant that God made with Abraham, he put Abraham asleep, and then God himself ratified the covenant with the blood of the, of the animals and all that. But here we go and we fast forward, and now we get to the Mosaic Covenant, and he's bringing us in because now it's time for us to mature as sons of God, right? And become the bride. And in order to become the bride, the bride, what does it say in Revelation, makes herself ready. So there's some responsibility that is laid upon us, not just because God wants us to do this or do that, but because he knows that by human nature, this responsibility is going to be part of our maturing process. And there are signs on the mountain. Right. Thunder. If you were a meteorologist, yeah, yeah, yeah. you would be loving it. Yeah. There, there's thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud. So are we seeing some weather patterns throughout the earth that could be symbolic of God in the weather patterns? I would certainly think so. Absolutely. Would you like to read uh, Exodus 19, 16? Because this is the first time that the trumpet, the shofar is mentioned in the Bible. The law first mentioned, so check it out. All right, it says, And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount, and the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud, so that all the people that was in the camp trembled. All right, how about if I blow the shofar real quick here, but not in the microphone? Not in the microphone. So we're going to blow the trumpet. That way. This is the law first mentioned, everyone. It's the ram's this horn. This is the ram's horn. The law first mentioned, and, and you can find... We're even in Zechariah. He's going to blow this over us again. Amen. All right. I receive it. And we have seven trumpets in Revelation. And in so First Thessalonians Actually, four. this is the voice of God. Yeah. So when you hear the trumpet, you hear the voice of God. All right, let's blow it. I can say is there is your trumpet blast yeah boy isn't that just great to tell this to your kids come on kids let's read about exodus and getting married to god all right johnny blow that shofar that's right well and he blows it over us and it is the voice of god you know first thessalonians 4 talks about the sound of the trumpet and the voice of the archangel right right and the shout um that'll that'll happen and so when we hear that sound, that gives us a blessed hope to know what's coming, that God himself, Yeshua, is coming back for us, back for his bride. All right, let's continue on with these bullet points, and then I'm going to just tie in how each one of you that are watching this or listening, how you could share Torah in less than two minutes. Ooh, less than two minutes. So let's finish up these bullet points, and I'm going to do that and show people how simple it is because you get overwhelmed. How can I share Torah with somebody in less than two minutes? That's right. So, so we've got to note here that uh, this is the first time that the trumpet or the shofar is mentioned in the Bible. And so if we follow the law first mentioned, when we see the trumpet blast in other places, we know that it has to do with God blowing the trumpet over his bride, especially when it has God blowing the shofar. Amen. Amen. And so Moses brought the people to the nether part of Mount Sinai. And so it's funny, last night, Master Tifa was like, nether, you know, and it's like, you know, these old King James words, you know, the nether, yonder, hither, thither. I loveth it. I loveth it. (laughs) (laughs) It's just so funny. And so there's smoke and fire and quaking on Mount Sinai as the Lord descended upon it. And so you just can imagine just the presence of God coming. This is like weather patterns. 
Oh, imagine, imagine. I mean, this is, this is, you know, we're coming into the, the part where we're going to really get intimate with God. And so the Lord calls Moses to the top of the mountain only to tell him to go back down and tell the people not to ascend the mountain or they will perish. He actually doesn't even tell them that. He says, hey, look, we're making a border. Don't even touch the border, right? Don't, That's right. Don't, don't even come near it or, or you will die. And so, again, we set the boundaries this way. And, of course, the boundaries we set in our marriages, right, don't result in the death of our spouse in most cases. You know, I put a little yellow sticky note on the top of the, in the refrigerator when you open it up, that little drawer that flips up. And I put some yogurts in there. (laughs) And I put on, I'm serious, it says, do not touch or even think about it. That's my little sticky note. Yeah. Sometimes I think maybe they don't read yeah. the sign, but they overall my yogurt's still there. My dad used to say, uh, you know, your mind might be on it, but your hands best be off it. Wow. Yeah. So maybe Same a little, thing, yeah. that'd be a good one that you could write. Don't even yeah. think about it. Don't I like think, that. Don't even think about it. <laughs> don't even think about it. And so, <laughs> and so the Lord only allowed Moses and his older brother Aaron to come back up the mountain. How powerful is God that you can't even be in His presence? He's pretty powerful. Like, no one has seen the face of God and lived. Right. You know, God can show up as a theophany. Matter of fact, you're going to see where he's going to eat with them and everything later. But think about it, Ryan. He is so powerful that you can't even be in his presence. And Moses only saw the backside. So let's do this, everyone. And I know we get challenged all the time. But this is the best way to teaching Torah, and I say in just five minutes, because you might want to interject or something. But here it is. Teaching Torah in the f- just five minutes. Uh, the first time that the word law is used in the Bible can be found in Exodus 12, 49. Okay, here we go. The law first mentioned. Here's the verse. One law shall be to him that is homeborn and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. So that applies to everyone. And this is referring to this the is Passover. the word law. All right, but the you're law. referring to the Passover. Right. So the Hebrew word for law in the Old Testament is the word Torah. It's a real word. Right. Number 8451 in the Strong's Concordance, and it means the following. This is what this word means. Uh, a precept or statute, especially the Decalogue or Pentateuch. Okay. A precept or statute, especially the Decalogue or Pentateuch. So once again, you have Exodus 1249. You have the word law. It's the word Torah in English, number 8451, and it comes from the Hebrew word yara, which is number 3384, and it means the following. So this is what law means, right? To flow is water, to lay or throw, especially an arrow, i.e. to shoot. So remember, if that's the connotation, you want to hit the mark. Amen. If you're a sharpshooter, marksman, whatever you are, an arrow, a bullet, you want to hit the mark. So bullseye. That's a bullseye. Figuratively, to point out as if by aiming the finger. Now, what was written by the finger of God but mm. the stone tablets? That's right. Is that written in stone? Is that written as in stone? As a matter of stone? fact, it is. Now, I don't have the reference, but as I do believe it's in fact. Luke. Yeah, as a matter of fact. <laughs> so remember Yeshua when he's casting out devils. And he says, by the finger of God, I cast out devils. Yeah. So what are you saying, Pastor? What I'm saying is that not to become a Torah terrorist or a legalist, or, but, but to say that, here we go. It, it means to teach, direct, or to inform. So that's what it is, Ryan. If we say the law has been done away with, what we're saying is that we don't need to know what sin is and yeah. we don't need instructions. Yeah. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. I've always so, loved your bathroom analogy, you know. 
hey, where's the bathroom? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, bathrooms are done away with. Oh, yeah, they've been done away with. <laughs> no, no, no. Witch it's down the hall and to the left. I mean, that's, that's how you yourself. help somebody. So this is less than five minutes of, of teaching yeah, Torah. It's pretty good stuff. So if you're excited about the, the law being teachings and instructions and for it to, to show you what sin is, I encourage you to read it and do it. Look at the times that we're living in. Look at the culture. I'm telling all this. The Torah, it, it doesn't save, okay? It instructs. And it's going to give you a set of instructions, and it's going to keep you from great harm. Yeah, amen. All right. I couldn't have said it better myself. Very good. Yeah, that was good stuff. So basically, the Lord only allowed Moses and his older brother Aaron to come back up the mountain. Well, there's a lot to go over here. So, Ryan, why don't you go ahead and hit the old uh, Ten Commandments? We don't have to read it. We could just go over these Ten Commandments. And if you want to interject something, you can. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. So now we have the Ten Commandments. That's right. That's right. So I'm not going to read all the 17 verses. I'm going to go through just the list of the Ten uh, as they are. And so it starts out with... I am the Lord your God, right? Thou shalt have no... That's good. I am the Lord your God. That's right. That's right. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Uh, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Uh, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And thou shalt not covet. Now, what's interesting about the Ten Commandments is the Ten Commandments is universally accepted around the world as the basis of human law, moral code. It's etched into the fabric of the universe, right? Right. With the exception of the most important ones. And so if I'm going to look at this and I'm going to say, what did God prioritize? What was his most important piece? Remember on the qualifications for being a leader, right? You must first fear God, right? Know that he is God. Put him above everything else, right? He is the priority. He's supreme. And so what happens is— And Torah is truth. You know, correct. So that we have we have taken uh, the Ten Commandments and placed them in many places in the United States, in courthouses and things like that, because we know that in our Declaration of Independence, what does it say? It says that we know that these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal with certain inalienable rights— Right, endowed by their creator. Right, you're just jumping in the old Constitution. This is this a good is time. This is Declaration of Independence. This is a yeah. good time. This is a good declaration. It is endowed by the creator, right, with certain inalienable rights, among which are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the point is that the founders recognized, and the early people in the United States recognized that the rights that were given to men were given to men by. God himself, and that laws are instituted by men to protect those rights, and that the government themselves doesn't give those rights, per se. So, with that in mind, what's interesting is that people are trying to get rid of the Ten Commandments in many places throughout the world. These monuments that have the Ten Commandments. Why? Why? Why get rid of the Ten Commandments? If the Ten Commandments are, you know, universally accepted as the moral code of the universe— by the creator of the universe, why would we want to do that? And so what's interesting is that they're doing it because of the first four commandments, the first three or four commandments, right? That I am the Lord your God, right? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord God in vain. You so, know, those first four are for God, right? Right, and, and remember the Sabbath <coughs> the day to keep The first four are for God, then God gives mankind 
the other six. So but what they don't like, they don't like, it's not that they don't like the code that comes after that, right? Honor your mother and father. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't lie or bear false witness. Don't uh, covet. It's not those things that they're against. They're not against the moral code itself. They're against the authority of God and the authority of Jesus Christ, his son. That's what they're against. I saw a movie called Time Changer. You ever seen Time Changer? So it's a, it's a movie, I want to say that it was made in the 90s, and it's based in like the late 1800s, and this professor at uh, I did see a it. Bible college. He comes into the present. Into the he future. just can't believe it. Well, he's writing a book. and part That's of, a good movie. One of the things, one of the, the, the statements that he makes in his book is that we need to teach the morals about, uh, from the Bible. And, you know, on the surface, that sounds like a good thing, right? right? But this other professor, everybody else agrees with him. This other professor is like, no, no, you can't do this. This is not how, you can't, you know, and he's very against it. And it's this, you know, awkward, um, awkward, you know, conflict between these two professors at a seminary college. And he sends them to the future to see the result of teaching just the biblical morals of the Bible without the authority of God and Jesus Christ. Wow. Because the devil's not against good morals, because people can have good <laughs> morals, and they can keep the last six of the Ten Commandments and still end up in hell. Right. Why? Because they do not have the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so it's important for people to recognize that it's not the commands that matter. The commands matter. But what really matters is the authority of the command giver. What does Jesus say? He says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. So what he's showing you is that you don't keep the commands for command's sake. You keep the commands because of the internal compulsion of love that's pouring out of you right. for the giver of those that's commands. Right. It's a God of love. And so it, it's an important distinction. That's like Paul. He gives all these you know, dissertations in his, his epistles, his letters to these people in these different churches but his main point is to show that, listen, it is not the keeping of the commands that saves you. It is the belief upon the giver of the commands that saves you. And then that salvation will produce the fruit of keeping the commands from the inside out, not from the outside in. That's good. Amen. That is good. You know why? It's the Bible, So, so why are the Ten Commandments relevant for today, and what happens to a society that breaks them? Ooh, I mean, I think, you know, I think we kind of covered that just now, but I would venture to say more important than the Ten Commandments themselves is the Creator Himself, right? The giver of the commandments. But yeah, God good. has created the universe in such a way that the keeping of these commandments will lead to a prosperous and peaceful life. Yeah, here's the situation, everybody. I'm going to read a couple things here um, as we go from, of course, Moses to Joshua to Judges. I want to read a, a couple of verses here, but here, here's the deal. Society will break down and there will be lawlessness. Okay. Now, if we look at the book of Judges 17.6, we're going from the Judges and then we're going to get into the monarchy. This is amazing how this template is just set up for us. So here's what it says in Judges 17.6. In those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. In those days, there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. That is actually Judges 17, 6, and now look at 21, 25. This is the very last verse in the book of Judges. This is Judges 21, 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Ryan, we are there. We're on the verge 
of the Antichrist. I'm saying most scholars, most people in religious circles among the evangelicals, the Christians, uh, the teachers would say that they personally believe that the Antichrist has already been born. So something to consider, the times in which we live. But just remember, we've got a lot of other things got to take place. I bet he's a millennial. But (laughs) he's a millennial. (laughs) Who knows? There's a lot of speculation. Generation Z. But I want to tell all of you something. There is going to be an Antichrist. There's teachings out there that there's not going to be. There is an Antichrist system as well. There is the spirit of Antichrist. Right. It's already here. I'm just telling all of you that that people want to argue over the Trinity and the Godhead. Right. But we don't need to because in Revelation, there's a false Godhead. Right. There's the dragon. The beast and the false prophet. And the false prophet. Yeah. So the dragon is Satan, the first beast, the second beast, well, the first beast is the Antichrist. Yeah. The second beast is the false prophet. Satan's the dragon. Now remember, he was a little snake and he's been eating the dust of the earth. He's been crawling along eating yeah. humans because we're made from the dust of the earth. Anytime you clean under your bed, that's a person, a couple <laughs> people. I know it sounds gross. It is worse. But, you know, I don't need any more members in my family. So so I'm just telling you, Ryan, that, um, that we have this uh, being played out right now. And now I know why God has allowed us to be here and to have the Torah, because God is a God of order. Yeah. You want, and you know what? It's just getting good, too, right? Having the Torah is awesome. If you're in the mainstream denominations of the church— or you're in like a non-denominational evangelical church, or even if you're, you know, within the the you know spirit-led movement, you may have heard that Jesus came and he fulfilled the Torah, he fulfilled the Old Testament, the commandments, and so now we are free from it, right? As if it was some bondage laid upon us, right? But Jesus himself says that that's not the case, right? Jesus himself comes so that he could fulfill it, right? But we know that he didn't fulfill all of it. We know there's still more to be fulfilled, but here's what he says. To fulfill means to do. Yeah. Fulfill means, actually, in this case, it's pleru, which is like pleroma. Do you remember the, the pleroma we were teaching the other day? What was it? Um, pleroma is the Greek word that comes from the verse about... That's interesting. Gosh, where is it? Anyways. That... that I know. Yeah, that sounds familiar. It does sound familiar. Well, it has to do with uh, causing something. Oh, it's multitude. The word in the multitude. Like fish. Right, but the word in the fish. in the um, right, exactly right. So the word multitude, when we talk about multitude of nations, is pleroma. Well, pleru, which is just a different, con- you know, uh, tense of the same word. Are you going to Matthew five seventeen? I am. Here I go. Oh wow. So here's what it says. This is Jesus' own words. He says, "Think not." that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. So that the Torah and the prophets. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Now this word fulfill is pleru, which means to fill full. So imagine you have a cup like you do at Havdalah, right? And you're filling it so that it overflows. So the idea of pleru is an overflowing cup. An abundance. An abundance to make something to abound. So when you go and you look this up in the Greek, it doesn't mean anything to do with terminating something. It means that you have so much of it that you can share it with others. Like Joseph's name means added. Right, to add to. Ephraim means fruitful. Correct. So he says he didn't come to destroy it, but to fulfill. Now, I've heard that Jesus came and fulfilled the law, so we don't have to. I've heard that before. Right, doesn't make any sense. And I imagine that being like, you know, Trump being 
the evangelical Messiah um, or the American Messiah, I should right. say, right? That he came and fulfilled the Constitution, so now the Constitution is done away with. It sounds ridiculous when you say it like that. This sounds ridiculous when you say it this way. Um, it only doesn't sound ridiculous to somebody that doesn't value the Torah and hasn't been taught properly how to understand the Torah and what it is. And so then he goes on and says this, because he says pretty clearly he didn't come to get rid of it. So then he says this, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass away, which in my estimation, heaven and earth are still here. So it says, until heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now, it's my estimation here that everything, all the prophecies have to be fulfilled before the law will in any way, shape, or form pass away. And at that point, we get a new heaven and a new earth and a new structure. I don't even know if we're going to be in time-space at that point. <clears throat> I don't even know how that works. But I believe that time and space and that heaven and earth are still here just as they were when Jesus spoke these words. That's my understanding. Now, if you have something that you understand more than that, you could correct me. Send me an email, ryan at topraise.net. Right. All right? But I, my understanding is that heaven and earth are still here, and therefore not even the smallest commandment is done away with. And he even goes on to say this. Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least commandments, of the, one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever, whosoever shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of so heaven. So it's an incentive. So it's an incentive. At the very least. Who wants to be great? Who wants to be great? Raise me, your hand. Me. I see that hand. Me, I see that me, hand. Me. Who wants to be great? So at the very least, there's a, there is a, a reward, a blessing for keeping the commandments of God. That's good. And I got one more. But you had something to say. Go ahead. No, no, no. You go ahead because we're going to conclude with the uh, the building of an altar. So in Revelation, I'll just I'm not going to go there. That's so not my in Revelation, but... it makes an it makes a statement. It says that the overcomer is this person. Do you want to be an overcomer? The theme for yes. 2021 is overcoming, right? Absolutely. I want to be an overcomer. I want you to be an overcomer. I want you to be an overcomer. I want us all to be overcomers. Absolutely. It says that you have two things. The overcomer has two things. Okay. You know what they are? The testimony of Jesus Christ and the commandments of God. Wow, I'll take that. That's great. So maybe you don't have to. Maybe you can skirt in by the seat of your pants into the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you could schlep into the kingdom of heaven. The skin of your teeth. Maybe you can make it into heaven by just getting the golden ticket of doing the very least possible to and get you, in. And you'll be least in the kingdom. Forever. You'll get in. You'll get in. And that's cool. And I'm, we're going to be wearing T-shirts. Told you so. <laughs> Not I told. I'm not told gonna do that. you so. I'm be, gonna be in humility. It is serving you. the Lord. Yeah, but God's gonna give. Ain't gonna be no told you so on my shirt. Works. I understand. So we're running out. I of don't want to be haughty though. No, uh, but once again, an altar is about ownership. But we don't have time to get into it. But it closes out with instructions for building an altar, and uh, it says, "An altar of earth shalt thou make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen, in all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee and I will bless thee." So the principle of the altar is to show ownership that God is the owner and that you're acknowledging him by offering your offerings. So what does the devil do? Comes in and puts up a bunch of altars and offers stuff up to false gods. Yeah. So basically the two things that I got out of this Torah portion, Ryan, basically what I would like to share in closing here, what two lessons that I get out of Jethro. Uh, number one, a marriage covenant, the Torah, comes with teachings and instructions. 
You know, in your marriage, you have to really follow some instructions and teachings to have a successful marriage or a relationship with God. So that's number one. Number two, there are no commandments that will hurt you. I just want to say that. And of course, Yeshua said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And remember, we're justified by the finished work of the cross, but now we're being sanctified and set apart. There's no mixing that up whatsoever. We are justified by the finished work of the cross, and now we can get to work and we can please God and do these things because we love him. Right. He died so that we can live. Well, and the whole point of this is that God is establishing his kingdom on earth. That's right. And the kingdom has a king. It has his subjects, and it has his laws, and it has order, and it has uh, peace, and it has provision, and it has protection. And it's kind of scattered a little bit. Like the Knesset right now is not really religious, but well, I wasn't necessarily talking about <laughs> the, no, the present-day state Israeli of Israel government. But you're right. The, I'm kingdom referring to God's of a king, kingdom. A constitution is the That's Torah. Right. We're his subjects, right? And there's there's traditions and culture. Correct. Cool. And and I would say that I want to be part of God's kingdom, right? Oh, bar none. That's what I want. And <sighs> I believe that if we were to just look at the our culture, that we could do a lot to take the culture of God in his word That's and good. in his Torah and apply it to our lives good today. Word. Why don't you pray us out? All right. Father, we want to thank you for your teachings and instructions. We thank you that the marriage covenant has been made and Yeshua has renewed it. He's renewed this marriage covenant, Father. Thank you for all those that have Torah written on their minds and their hearts. Because, Father, you just have reminded me that, and I want to just share this last thought in my prayer, that, Lord, you always give a sign before judgment. You always give a sign before judgment. And the example that you have shown me is the sign of the Torah and then judgment. That when you see the Torah come into your life or it comes into mainstream culture or it's, you see reflections of it throughout. Uh, King Josiah's reforms are found in 2 Kings chapter 23 verses 1 through 27. Lord, this is my prayer. This is my statement. In verse 2, it says in, in 2 Kings 23 verse 2 that the Torah was rediscovered and King Josiah read the Torah to the people. He got rid of Baal, I idolatrous priests and the worshiping of planets the sun moon and stars and so father uh this this torah rediscovered by king josiah in 609 bc and the judgment of god the judgment of you father came on israel through the babylonians in 586 bc father you have shown me this sign of the torah that it was 23 years of restoration and even the prophet has told king josiah through the servant that king josiah would not see the judgment but it was coming the other example you've given me, Father, is Yeshua, your son, was the word made flesh. The word is the Torah. He did not come as a Pauline epistle or a letter. He came as the Torah, the word made flesh in Amen. John. He comes to the earth. He suffers, dies, and is buried, but he rose again. Yeshua is a picture of the living Torah. And when we died, and when he died in 33 AD, judgment came on Israel through the Romans in 70 AD. So how much restoration did we have before the judgment, Ryan? 37 years. 23 years with King Josiah. Only 37 years of restoration. Once again, the Torah is a sign, and here comes the judgment. Yeah. So what I want to submit to you, Lord, even in this prayer and this discussion, the last example, after those days, I will write Torah on minds and hearts, Father. You said this in Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. You said this in Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10 through 12. And right now, Beit Tehillah is celebrating their 21st Torah cycle. Amen. So, Father, the example of the 23 years with King Josiah, 37 years from Yeshua to the temple being destroyed, 
leads us up to the point, Father, that judgment is coming. But we're not appointed to your wrath, but judgment Hallelujah. is coming. Thank you, and Father. so, Father, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for just writing your Torah on our minds and hearts and protecting us and providing for us. For you are awesome. Father, we love your word and we just love your ways. They're higher than our ways. Your thoughts are not our thoughts. So, Father, bless the people that are watching this, that are listening to this, Father. Bring us to the place of, of, of revelation and fruition that we would be producing fruit. In Yeshua's name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Bless you guys. Have a great week.